He's literally me. And I literally want to marry Ryan Gosling. And this is literally the third time that we have done this intro. Guys, welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. We are the show that is edgy, divisive, and thinks they're way cooler than they actually are. I am your host, Max Steele. And as always, I am joined by the Brian Cranston to my Ryan Gosling. Oh, yes, daddy. I'm joined by Michael Flaherty. You know, I'm just going to keep moving past past whatever that was and just and just jump into my Brian Cranston bit. Yeah. So I'm I, you know, in between I, I I've sort of found my calling in life. It's instead of being, you know, instead of going down the, the world of financial services and podcasting, I've decided to just become a uh you know, part-time middle-class dad, part-time meth dealer, part-time mechanic who gets in too deep with the mob. So I got, like, I'm, I'm stretched a little thin here. Stretched a little thin here. At least you're not smoking meth, because you know things could always, always be worse. You could exactly. be smoking meth. You I, could I, be in I, debt to the mob. I could be, I could be smoking meth in debt to the mob. In in which case, I'd, I I feel like I'd embody more Jesse Pinkman energy than anything else. I feel like I feel like I, which may fit my character more. Which may which may be like I I don't know if I'm Brian Cranston just yet. I got to work my way up. We'll start with Aaron Paul. <laughs> baby steps, guys. Baby steps. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, guys, I'm excited. Mike is excited because guys. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Month, the Messed Up at Midnight double feature extravaganza. It's in the rear view. We don't have to talk about another Texas Chainsaw movie <laughs> unless they release one, which just let the franchise die. But we're past that now. We're not doing a retrospective. We're powering on forward. And, you know, to reward ourselves, we felt that it was appropriate to cover a good movie, but not just, mm-hmm. not just any good movie. You see, I spoke with Mike, and we decided that we wanted to pick a film that you would show a prospective movie buff. Someone who's maybe seen, you know, all the Marvel movies, you know, some action, maybe seen like, I don't know, an independent film, you know, here and there. Like a frequent moviegoer, but no one who's really like delved deeper into cinema. Yeah, um, like like you like you've heard you've heard of Joaquin Phoenix past Joker like you watched her by accident and you're like, oh, maybe there's more to this movies thing. Yeah, and the there is something and in the movie we're talking about today is Drive with um my personal like favorite human being ever. Like I want to marry this man. I own a cardboard cutout. This is true. I own a cardboard cutout of Ryan Gosling that my girlfriend gave to me because she knows that I am just obsessed with this man. I I too in, enjoy Ryan Gosling's acting. Yep, he's same energy on both sides. Uh, he's 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 dreamy, and I too like him. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> It's the thing, it's, it's like, that. all right. It's this. What is what's this bit? <laughs> Let's all right. Drinks. <laughs> okay, so, so 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 getting back to talking about drive, getting away from daddy for a second. So one of the things that's <laughs> interesting about this movie, I hate you, um, is <laughs> that when this movie came out, it was in 2011. 
and the trailer made it seem like this action-packed, you know, movie about a getaway driver, and he does stunts, and it's cool, and it's going to be like Fast and Furious. But that trailer was misleading, because that's not the movie that we're getting. The reason I say show this to a prospective movie buff is because, you know, you start off with your action. We'll get into the plot here later in the podcast. You see the action, you see the stunts, you see the cool driving, but there is something else there that is more so a character study. And Mm -hmm. in fact, and, and this is true, there was a lawsuit levied against this movie by a woman, and I, I believe it was Michigan, that was trying to sue Nicholas Wending Refn and like the company for um, misleading advertising, as well as weird accusations of anti-Semitism in the movie. Oh. Which, of course, this, of course, that's you know all the suits got dropped. But then the woman tried to sue the judge for being anti-Semitic. But that's neither here nor there. But I really feel like that represents that the kind of advertising that this movie was going for and why this movie is very divisive, especially when it came yeah. out. It's it's very it's very odd to to hear that the movie's divisive and that it was really split down the middle. I think that's honestly. I think I like just like you had like implied slash speculated. It's like marketing for movies is so important. Like I think like marketing can make or break a movie if it's done one correctly to enough. Like Mm -hmm. I think a real clear example that's in the current space and this isn't get we're not going to get deep into this or get into the nuances of this this is just another thing on how marketing can really harm a movie's like performance like uh boys with mm-hmm. billy that billy eichner movie now granted we are not delving into the movie itself or what the contents is or people's opinions on it that's neither here nor there what can be also said is that what can be said is just that uh in terms of marketing a lack thereof or a mismarketing can really screw with the movie. And I think that's what happened with this that resulted in this like really harsh down the middle with us or not with us sentiment, which again is still weird to me. Yeah. Cause when I was reading reviews for this, even like listening to some before this podcast, people are very much like, yes, this movie, this movie is awesome. I get it. Or they're like, what the fuck? This movie was so boring. And Mike, I just want to know, where do you fall on that spectrum? I think this movie was amazing. I, I'm i with you. This, not, not, on, not on the movie. On the movie, I'm with you. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not with its main actor, but you know what? We're, it's, You're allowed to be wrong. It's fine. Okay, it's fine. All right. You're allowed to be wrong. Right. This is, all right, this is a weird bit. But, <laughs> but no, 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 no. Okay, okay. So with the movie, I like it because... The movie is really great at being it's 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 action feels important and necessary. It's never it, it, it it's an action it's an it's my kind of action movie. It has moments that are intense. You are there on the edge of your seat and you are watching it. It is you are glued. But the quiet moments are also equally important. You gotta have your yin to your yang 
you can't just have you can't you got to have a full meal. You can't have just 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 rice or just chicken. You got to have you got to have the whole thing to really like. I don't I don't know. This analogy may fall on deaf ears, but you know, you get what I'm saying. It's everything plays an incredibly important part. It feels that this movie is trimmed down as much as it can possibly be. Any more and you're losing something vital. And we're going to be getting into some of the more like examples of what makes this movie so gripping and so good as the podcast goes on. Um, one of the things is gripping is um, Ryan Gosling's eyes because, dear Lord, I can look into those oh, for just our, eons. But you, right. okay, so so I want to I want to share a story, okay, that I read while researching this for this movie, and uh, we haven't talked about him too much. Uh, direct director uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. This is kind of the movie that got him into um, American cinema goers' eyes because he had done the uh, Pusher trilogy, um, which me personally I haven't seen. But this was his like first like big. This is the movie that kind of put him on the map in America. So mm-hmm. he got on board. And um, I also want to bring up the fact that um, he doesn't have a driver's license. He <laughs> failed his driver's exam. This like I had to look this up just to confirm this with multiple like places eight times. Eight? Eight. Like eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh my god. Dude, that is that's the universe at that point. <laughs> Looking at you going, no, do not get on the road. <laughs> Which director of drive not having a driver's license. Okay, that that's something there. So anyway, he he met Ryan Gosling at a restaurant before they had their driver. Now, Refn was also sick with the flu and had been like popping pills to, you know, take care of it. And he described it as uh, being high as a kite. I'm using quotation marks here. So so they meet. Refn is sick, can't turn his head, not really able to speak all that much because he's just, you know, on a shit ton of flu medicine. (laughs) Gosling is like. He it, he feels like he's on a first date where he knows like okay yeah this is this is going to be the last the last the last date there just wasn't that connection so then Refn just says like uh hey um can you take me home they just met and Ryan's like I mean can't can't you just call a cab and one thing led to another Ryan's like okay you know what fine I'll drive you back to your home in Santa Monica so oh, God they're, so they're driving back. In just stone in, in silence, I assume. And you know, to combat just this awkwardness, Ryan puts on the radio, and I can't fight this feeling by uh Ario Speedwagon starts playing. Oh no. And this is kind of like this is kind of perks refing up. He so he sits up and he starts singing along with this song. And looks Ryan says, Listen, this is the movie. This is Drive. It's about a man who drives around listening to pop music because that's just the only way that he can feel things. And Ryan Saucer was like, okay, I get it now. Like he, he got it after a while and here we are talking about it. That's, that's one hell of a story. Actually. (laughs) I love that. That initially Gosling was like, hell no, I want no part of this. Leave me out of it. Whatever this is. And then, and then, Revan forced him to give him a ride back to his place. And then, and then like, 
it's this is the one time I will ever thank Ario Speedwagon for anything. Like, actually, honest to God, the fact that something like Ario Speedwagon was able to assist in the creation of Drive, I'm really conflicted because as someone who dislikes Ario Speedwagon to a to a to a pretty serious degree. <laughs> To sit there and go, man, one of my favorite movies that was made in the past, like, decade. The fact that it meets, the fact that I have to attribute that to Speedwagon really hurts on a few levels. (laughs) So, listeners, you have to bear, you heed what I say. The fact that I will happily, happily give Speedwagon credit for this movie that I love so much speaks to how important this movie is to, to us. Like, good Lord. I mean, you know, when, I, when I see like that story, I just kind of imagine Ryan taking me out on a dinner and then me and okay. him just sing like show tunes okay. or something no, like when he's driving no. me back home and okay. like it's <laughs> we're we're done with this we're done with it this will we're... this will end on the cutting room floor i swear to god what do what is up with you and gosling man well man, i'm just trying to say i'd let ryan gosling take care of me if i was sick it's it's I was always more of a Hugh Jackman man, but you know what? Fair. It's, it's, we all have our obsessions. Okay. We all have our, we all have our, have our vices. Yours just happens to be Ryan Gosling. I'm glad you brought up Hugh. I'll get to Hugh Jackman here in a second, but I want to, I do want to mention Ryan Gosling here in a second. You're going to gush over Hugh Jackman too. It's in, it's in relation to the movie. So, okay. I really am glad that you brought up like this thing with Ryan Gosling because, you know, the people who know me personally, they know like I have a cardboard cutout of him that my girlfriend got me because she knows that, you know, how much I I love that man. And Mm -hmm. I actually I have something here. Uh, I have a list um, that I want to share with all of you and then I want to share with Mike. Um, It's called a list of things that I need Ryan Gosling to do to me. No. Don't. I want to want to hear your thought, no. Mike. 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 Okay. Okay. How about this? I'll read this and then and then I'll stop. Okay. I'll try my <laughs> best is, to stop. This is this is like this is the most you like you like like this is like I'm laying my cards out on the table. I'm <laughs> like maybe maybe we can keep the cards in our hand. Mister Ryan Gosling is my is my dream man. <laughs> just 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 let me read my list and then I promise. Like okay. for the rest of this podcast, I will do my best to not say. Anything. Okay. You're gonna keep, keep okay. You, okay, all right. Keep it PG. Okay. That's all I ask. We're we're a family friendly podcast here. No, we're not. So, all right. Listen, thing. Okay, so what I want Ryan Gosling to do to me. All right. Talk to me. Okay. Fair. Take a selfie with me. All right. Who who doesn't R- respond to my DMs? Oh, hey, yeah, that's fair. A little high ask, but take me out to a nice steak dinner. All right. Okay. All right. Buy me flowers. Oh. Hey. Cuddle me tenderly. Oh, Garrett. I'm not, dude. I'm not. I'm not done. Can, can you? Can you just let me read my list here, please? I'm trying. I'm trying to bear my heart here. So what? At Ryan Gosling right now. I want him to tell me that he's proud of me. I want to go wine tasting in the rolling hills of Italy with him. I want to spend lazy Sundays together where we don't get out of bed until 4 p.m. 
Okay, what? <laughs> I want him to take me on a nighttime drive. I think he's buried. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I want him to bite my neck. I, I want him. I, I want him to let me call him daddy. I think he's buried. Even I want. Korea. It does, doesn't matter. I can take her. I want him to spit on me. I want I, him to degrade me. I think they've been I want for him. I want him to tie years. me to it. I want him to I tie think, me to. <laughs> no, let me get no. my list out. Let me get my list out. <laughs> no, this is no. Even how dare you? You respect. You respect the the, the rock solid marriage of Brian Cosley and Eva Lagoria. You they, respect they can, the look, sanctity they, they, of it. Look, they can still be married. I just want Ryan Gosling to do this to me. Will you, you please let me finish? Will you, you please let me finish? <laughs> I want him to tie me to a chair and leave me in a dark room for three days straight. I want oh. him to commit tax fraud with me. Wait, what? Everything that he does in this movie, Drive, I want him to do that to me. Wait, I want Ryan Gosling to run over my kneecaps with an electric scooter. I want Ryan accurate. Gosling to force feed me geckos. I want Ryan Gosling to inject me with morphine as he punches my rib cage in. I want Ryan Gosling to. I want Ryan Gosling to to crush my head in a triangle choke. What? I want him. I'm not. I'm not. No, no. Please, please be respectful. This is me bearing my heart and my soul. Okay. Okay. All right. I want. I want him to remove my liver with a grapefruit spoon. I want Ryan Gosling to gouge my eyes out and throw them at wild pigeons. I want Ryan Gosling to chop off all of my fingers and feed them to me like spaghetti. I want him to cut me open and jump rope with my intestines. I I want, please, please. I just have two more. I I just have two more. I just have two more. It's okay. I want Ryan Gosling to bathe in my blood. I want Ryan Gosling to leave my corpse propped up in a field like a scarecrow while he yells derogatory things at me. This is Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> okay, and now that I have bared my soul to this Mike is, and to all of you, I, I am done. I gotta say, I gotta say, left turns left and right, turns left and right. Um, few few editors' notes, maybe we can throw in the mix. Let's. It's, do you it's, do you understand? Got, I am the I am the editor of this podcast. I know. I know you are. It's, 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 it's very quickly went from went from. Hey, I think he's a he's a swell guy to being like I like Ryan Gosling a lot to being like to being like I want to be treated like a victim in, in Texas Chainsaw, but with Ryan Gosling. As Leatherface. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Ooh, this is, you know what? Had us in the first half, not going to lie. That's all I got to say. This so, is enlightening. All I got to say, enlightening. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share. So now we're going to get to the ever important question, Mike. If drive were a drink, what would it be and why? You're going to have to. Give me a, a hot second to gather my thoughts with just give, what the fuck I, happened. How about this? While I give you a hot second, let me tell you one quick thing was that um, at one point, like we'll do a quick trivia round. How about that? Okay. Now, all right, all right. we almost didn't get Ryan Gosling in this movie. 
Please be Nick Cage. Please be Nick Cage. Can you guess which actor was attached to play the role of the driver? Ooh, I want Nick Cage, but Tom Cruise probably. You are incorrect. I'll give you one more guess. Nick Cage? You mentioned him earlier. It was Hugh Jackman. He was attached to play the driver. Really? At At one point, he was attached to play the driver, but it was very brief, and then they... They weren't with Ryan Gosling. As, as, I drive. I'll give you five minutes. At the end of those five up. minutes, I'm yours. <laughs> that was a good Australian no accent. He just, breaks out, he just breaks out in song and dance and singing about how he was Wolverine <laughs> that one time. Like, he, he starts he starts tap dancing and just like it's like like he's the like what's the movie he did recently the greatest showman or whatever some something like, whatever i think so is. yeah so something along those lines but no okay all right all right i am back from whatever the f- whatever the hell that was i've gotten i've gotten my drink okay now because this drink because this movie is so good i wanted the drink to reflect it i didn't want some drink that was going to be full of a bunch of crazy ingredients that were going to turn into this cocktail of horror. I wanted mm-hmm. something real, something good, something with punch and flavor that all sort of culminates into this genuinely good drink. Now I racked my brain, try to figure out what alcohol best embodies drive. Now I got to think, now you got to look at the like, the 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 way I have so gingerly heard it be called is a uh bromantic comedy mm-hmm. in that it is it is like it is like a very guy rom com thing. It's action, it's got the literally me character, it's got the forbidden love, and all of that good stuff in between. It's now but because this is because uh because Ryan Gosling plays the driver, I think, and he sort of plays, he sort of is the movie to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. He is whiskey, not cheap whiskey, not funky whiskey, not expensive whiskey, a good, smooth, quiet whiskey. You don't mm-hmm. need something. You don't need like something that's going to like take left turns. Something that develops into this really crazy thing. Just a good whiskey that's 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 not gonna break your bank, that's there for you. Something that's something that like you can go to at the end of a day, pour yourself a glass of it, and you don't feel guilty about putting it into a cocktail. So I'm I I'm gonna just pick mine, the cock the the the, the alcohol, the whiskey that I like to choose for this, and that's bullet. Mm. bullet whiskey that's my pick but this obviously varies from person to person and then you got all of the characters now because the driver is so quiet so sophisticated something you have to pay attention to for it to just sort of develop and just really like just that it's this own subtle thing you need to add liveliness to it something that doesn't make you fall asleep you're so bored Coca-Cola, a whiskey Coke. Who doesn't like a whiskey Coke? They're delicious. 
And the Coke adds a little more liveliness. It's more, now it becomes more associated with a like going out drink. Like you've got your added characters, your Oscar Isaacs, your Carrie Mulligans, your Ron Perlman's and Brian Cranston's, all these really interesting characters that all really do a great job at what they do. That all comes together in this Coke, this liveliness that you have. But you got to add the one thing that separates it from your average passable to good action movie. You got to add that extra spice, that extra bit that makes it different, that makes you go, no, not this, this. I'm I'm adding lime juice. Hmm. I'm making a Cuba Libre. A that lime juice, it's the aesthetic, it's the score, it's the bloody action that you have scattered through here. It's delicious, it's different from a whiskey coke. Anyone who's had a Cuba Libre can attest. Cuba Libres are different from whiskey cokes. It is they're amazing, they're so good. I love them so much, hmm. and they feel like while they can be your classic no frills drink going out drink they can also be something more they can also be something that you can make and pretend has a level of sophistication to it and that's what i think this movie best embodies you know it's got it's it's stripped down as hell it's got its liveliness it's got its differentiator and it's got its rock that mm-hmm. is just so fantastic and so good and so just salt of the earth. It's really nice. So that's mine. Hmm. It, interesting. Because, so this is like a bit more like a person-to-person type of cocktail with them being able to pick their whiskey. Not sure how I feel about the Coke aspect because um, you'll, you'll see my explanation here in a second. I actually mm. do mention like a whiskey Coke. But with the added zest of the lime juice to kind of make it pop a little bit more, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I'll we'll, mm-hmm. Okay. We'll we'll see how I feel. So, mm-hmm. so for me, when this I took it from the perspective of this movie is divisive. There's no middle. Like I said earlier, there's no middle ground with this. You either love it or you hate it. Now, that was my base, and I'm just looking at this movie, like visually, I don't know why, but thinking of like okay, something divisive mixed with this movie, I got gin. Now I'm not a gin guy. But I've seen two camps when it comes to gin. Like you either love it or you hate it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe okay. there's like someone out there who's like, eh, gin's like my third pick of the night or so. Yeah. Now, originally, I would go down the route of a martini. You know, something like classy, something you're not going to, you know, sit down and take lightly. But then I was talking with my girlfriend about it, and she mentioned a drink called aviation, talking about gin cocktails. And I went to go look this mm. up. And for those who don't know, an aviation, not to be confused with aviation gin, I'm talking about the drink aviation. Mm-hmm. An aviation cons- consists of two ounces of gin, half an ounce of maraschino liqueur, a quarter of an ounce of creme de violet, and then three quarter ounces of lemon juice. And then you garnish it with a brandied cherry. Now, it has a very purple hue to it, almost like the color of this movie. And it's got a bit of a floral flavor to it, which not everybody is a fan of. Um, Because this isn't really a drink that 
you'll have to, you know, pass the time or to get drunk. This is one you'll sit down with and experience a study on drink making, a study of movie making. And if you don't like it, that's fine. It's really not meant for everyone. Mm-hmm. Now, if you present this drink as like a, hey, here is this, you know, Jack Daniels and Coke, or hey, here's this vodka soda, or hey, here's this action movie. Then you get this purple drink that tastes like flowers. You'll probably get a little pissed off. But if you go in knowing what you're getting, ready to sit down and experience something a little bit more cerebral, then I think it'll all work out. And that's my drink for this movie. I see that you went the more combative route. Hmm. Knocking down the old Jack and Coke action movie. Knocking Knocking down the... But yeah, that is true. Mine is different. No, I do like the way that you went. You went in a very different direction. I went in the ingredients, make the cocktail sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You went the cocktail makes the movie sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I I, I do. I like the cocktail as a whole. I don't know how I feel about gin Mm -hmm. because I feel I, I have heard a lot of people start to come around to gin. I feel like gin, I feel like is people are coming around to gin. Mm hmm. It's, it's kind of, do we, do we need to cut? No, it's fine. Just keep, just keep rolling with it. We, we heard somebody in the background. Right. We're just going to keep it's, on going with it. Okay. Yeah. No. So it's, it's, I like it. I like it. I like it's the cocktail as a whole. I like it that it's, that it's got this sort of purple hue to it, which honest to God, if, if you haven't seen it before, you, you're going to wonder why that's such a thing, but mm-hmm. no, that is, that is actually huge. <laughs> so yeah but yeah no 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 i like it i like both of our drinks so guys crack open your aviation crack open your uh bullet whiskey coca-cola and lime juice and call ryan gosling your daddy because we are talking about drive Mm-hmm. first thing we get 80s pulsating heartbeat and a voiceover by ryan gosling kind of talking about his rules there's a hundred thousand streets in the city you don't need to know the route you give me a time and a place and i give you a five minute window anything happens in your five in that five minutes and i'm yours no matter what anything happens on either side of that you're on your own do you understand so he's going this he's giving this spiel this is the first shot keep that in mind We see a close-up of a map, a basketball game on TV, and the scorpion jacket that's been adopted by the incel community. And that is really all. Has it really? Or the people that do like the literally me thing with this this driver's character. I was like, like, no, don't tell me. (laughs) Sorry, continue. Continue. Do your intro. No, I was going to say like just this opening shot really tells us everything that we need to know about it's, who this character is. It's it's it, it 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 really gives you all that you really need to understand the character. You don't need to know how you don't need to know what his favorite breakfast was as a kid. You don't need to know where he went to school. You know who he is, you know what he does. And that's kind of all that you need from this character. This character is not meant to be this transformative 
piece, this person who like really like you, he's meant to just more be a sort of good sort of movement point for the movie. I, I really enjoy this, this, this intro. It gives you everything that you kind of need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after this scene, we go to a garage. Brian Cranston's here. He's he's plays a mechanic. So and he's walking with a limp. That'll be that'll be important for later. So Brian Cranston owns a car shop. And you can tell he, he kind of knows something about what the driver does, but he's just he's like just not gonna say anything. So he, you know, gives him a car, and then Ryan is sorry, the driver is off. And this is when we first get like the first bit of the soundtrack, which Mike, what did oh. as a music guy, what did you think of this soundtrack? Oh my god. Actually, I'll actually I'll actually one up I'll not one up you. I'll actually like give you a bit more on this soundtrack. This soundtrack one is amazing. Like Cliff Martinez, the person who did the score of this, as well as picked out a select few like really poignant songs to play off of, did a masterful job of getting together this saw this score and music that really perfectly matched not only the atmosphere but the but the aesthetic of the movie and just to show how big of an impact this score and the aesthetic this movie had it birthed a whole trend of music called outrun music it's it's an internet genre. It's wholly on the internet. And it all plays off of the same sort of music style that this does. It's interesting. It's fascinating. I encourage everyone who enjoyed the score for this movie to look up this music because if you're anything like me, this is on repeat. This is alongside lo-fi chill beats to study slash relax to. Like, mm-hmm. it's this is a great... This just shows the impact of this movie. Like, not even the story, not even the script, or, like, the action scenes, or any of that. Literally just the music. Mm-hmm. Kickstarted an entire trend. That is still going strong to this day. That's all I have to say about the soundtrack. And, yeah, I, mean, and yeah. I mean, I was listening to the soundtrack at work earlier today, and it, I was just like, this is just such... It captures the environment that they're trying to set up so well. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll get into more because like the theme of this is real hero, and there's this whole study that people have done about how oh Ryan Gosling he's supposed to be the hero of this story, but he doesn't feel like it. So even just picking a song alone in context to the whole film, it just <laughs> gives its own little message, which is just mm-hmm. just chef's kiss, just so nice. It's so nice. It really is so nice. Just even the littlest singular song has spawned so many. I've seen so many YouTube video essays on Real Hero, the score, all of this stuff. It is just so, everything is so meticulously done for a reason that it's so easy to break down. It's all contextual too, which, you know, we're suckers for on this podcast you know, i'm glad you, like i forgot to mention this at the beginning of the podcast but since you brought it up i'm going to mention it now you mentioned the community behind this movie the people who have done the video essays 
This is one of the most popular films, I think, in like the YouTube video essay community, which is a nice gateway into into like more independent cinema to really understanding what movies can offer. So because of that, that's another reason why I think that this movie is a great example of some of a movie to show someone who's just kind of beginning to embark on their cinema journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Like if you're someone who ever ventures into YouTube video essays, I guarantee you you're going to run across drive at mm-hmm. some point. You're going to run across drive in some capacity. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with Max. It's This is a great gateway into that sort of indie movie community. So, so getting back to Drive now. The driver goes somewhere. We see some people. Some people see him, and then the two go in somewhere. It's not really important who these people are. But we could sit here and do the whole who are these people bit that we have done before on this show. But part of the reason that why it works here is because we don't really leave the perspective of the driver. These are just kind of like faceless goons and we stick with the driver the entire time. We don't see the heist. We don't see all of those things that a traditional action movie would do. We stick with the driver while he is just sitting in the car tensely waiting and while he listens to the radio he listens to a police radio and then he's also listening to a basketball game that would be important soon what's what to backpack off of what you said about the about the um robbers and the reason why i agree with you that like we're not focusing and being like who are these people like blah 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 like, like we like we usually do because the movie does a great job. Like, not only that, like, we're not only with what my co-host said with regards to how the movie does not care. Like, the movie focuses on on the driver, not the robbers. You don't see, you're always focused on the driver. But on top of that, during the chase, you rarely, if ever, see their faces. Mm-hmm. They are always covered by shadows. They almost feel, they almost add to that sort of facelessness that the driver has now sort of associated with these people. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't care who these people are. It doesn't matter who they are. All he cares about is the fact that he has to drive. He has to get away. And that's all this is. So the criminals come running back. So one comes, we wait for a little bit, a little bit of tense tenseness. And then the other uh, criminal comes running back and they get in and they start driving off. And while Ryan's listening to the radio, they hear something about a silver Impala, which is what he is driving because Brian Cranston said, hey, here's a silver Impala, most basic car, most common car in L.A. So so subtle details that are playing off of each other. So Ryan's driving through L.A., which. Where is the traffic in in oh, L.A.? Yeah. Like if this movie takes place in L.A., there is no traffic on the streets whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. It is. My God, it is. It's empty. It's empty. It is. It is startlingly empty. Yeah. It, it, anyway, so that just nitpicking aside, the best way to describe what's happening here is a quiet, tense action scene. Because there are bits where he's almost caught. You know, we hear the radio talking about other crimes going on. There's a helicopter. Like, okay, is he is away? Is he not? So, as Ryan drives, he looks up. 
He sees a cop across the road from him. You're like, okay, what's going to happen here? Light changes. Ryan starts driving. The light flashes on the police car, and now we have our big Fast and Furious, the first one. I want to make that clear. The first Fast and Furious-style car chase where Ryan is able to maneuver and get away. He ends up going to the bas- going to the basketball arena. He has literally the easiest time getting into a parking garage for a game that is just letting out. He yeah. drives up, parks, puts it in brake, like puts it in brake, fucking leaves the car, puts on a hat, dips, and walks right past some police officers. That's badass, and that's also what a lot of people really wanted from this movie when it first came out. Yeah, exactly. It's it 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 gives the action nuts what they want for a very brief period of time. It's this tight action scene that almost it doesn't. It, it's 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 very interesting how this action scene is done because it it is tense throughout. Like this, like this action, this, this car chase scene is not one that's like, that's like constantly like shaky cam and like he's moving at like breakneck speed. It's very quiet. Mm -hmm. And then there's really fast and there's quiet again. And it's really fast. And this almost reminds me, and granted, this isn't a very loose sense of the term. This is not like a carbon copy. It reminds me of, the old Steve McQueen movie bullet Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because there are quiet moments in that it's equally as tense. And then the car chase starts and it goes and it's really tense. And then it calms down again and they're looking for each other and going through. It's really, really, really well done. And it's just kind of, I'm glad that you mentioned fast and furious because I sort of look at that as a blueprint of not what not to do, but what I as a viewer personally subjectively don't want Mm -hmm. it's not your you can have tenseness and be quiet at the same time (laughs) and this movie and bullet also show that in this car chase and also ryan gosling looks cool as hell leaving the clippers game oh yeah he does so okay title sequence so ryan is just driving around as nightfall plays in the background let's be real Mm -hmm. all of us after this movie got in our car, listened to that song while we were driving around at night. I'm not it's, calling you out. I'm just saying I understand. Exactly. We're, we're, we're here for you. No, it, it's, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it, it's so funny. Like this in Baby Driver, I feel like, like guys in cars became lethal. Mm-hmm. Just not because they wanted to drive, not, not because they were like, yeah, let's break the law, but mostly just because they were like, I want to be cool. and. The, the main character of that movie I just saw is cool. Time to drive cool. <laughs> I just like I if I was a cop I, during when those two movies came out, I would have just parked right outside the movie theater and been like time to get some cash. Everybody went out and bought leather gloves to grab the steering wheel with. And, and yeah, Don't forget toothpicks. Don't forget toothpicks. Toothpicks. Toothpicks, too, for some reason. So. Mm-hmm. So Ryan somehow returns to his apartment after leaving the car at the basketball arena. Sure. Also, like, he arrives at this apartment, he parks, and he gets out, and he starts walking towards the elevator. How he's able to afford this, 
uh, apartment on a stuntman salary. I don't know, but that's neither here nor there. So mm-hmm. Ryan in an elevator and a woman joins him. Ryan awkwardly looks at this woman. We've all been there. And they each go back to their respective units. Little scene. We'll get back to her. So now he's a cop. And uh, Brian Cranston comes up. And his name is, is he is credited as the driver. But everyone in he in this movie either calls him kid or hey, you. There are so many times throughout this movie where I'm like, Brian, you, you could have just said his name. Like, hey, John. Like, John. John. Or Mike. Yeah, hey. exactly. <laughs> just to get your attention. Mm-hmm. But they just keep calling him like kid. Or the driver. I got this guy. And like, just call him by his name, please. <laughs> exactly. It's as a viewer, you're like, I want to know his name so badly. I want to know his name so badly. I kind of do love that they that they blue ball you like that, though. That they're willing to like sit there and be like, no, you don't get to know his name. Because his name isn't important. And you're like, okay. But I, I want to know his name. Like, too bad. I agree. But just, you know, nitpicking aside. Also, he's a stunt driver. And if this movie took place today, he would just be like a really angsty, like Uber Eats delivery guy. <laughs> he's he's literally an Uber Eats delivery driver by day, but then he like does he does street races at night. <laughs> that's his that's his that's his new character in like 2022. Well, you know what? Fuck it. He's a stunt driver by day and just an angsty Uber Uber Eats delivery driver by night. Just fuck the whole criminal thing. There's no crime. There's no. There's no. He gets in deep with d- deep with some like gang or whatever. It's just nope. He's just he's just really angsty. And you're like, all right. Can you just imagine him like coming up to your door, just knocking, knocking at like I don't know, eight thirty at night. You open the door. This is this is just disheveled, just sexy man wearing just a white satin jacket with a scorpion on the back, and it's like. I have your chicken cacciatore from Fazoli's here, and then he just throws it at you and walks away. He's <laughs> like, he's like, he's like, got the. He, he he just sits there and stares at you for like five seconds, and you're like, hey, hey, hey man, is that you, the Uber Eats driver? I'm like, bottomless fries from islands. <sighs> yeah. And he just hands it to you. And goes, good day. And you're like. What is it? Are we are we getting are we getting coffee tomorrow? What 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 just happened? <laughs> if that happened to me, I'd just be like, I'm turned on a little bit. So back with the movie. <laughs> Ryan is a stunt driver. He puts on like this face mask that kind of looks like some mixture between like Walter White and The Rock. So he puts this thing on. He does the stunt. Like he gets in the car. Car crashes. Boom. He's okay. Everything's okay. But then, um, yep. So then Brian Cranston comes out and is like, fuck yeah, now give me my half. So that's kind of like the scene where we see, oh, this is what this person does. So mm-hmm. we go back to Ryan driving. And now we're back with Ryan in a Whole Foods or some shit. So he's just kind of walking no, up and down. No, that is not a Whole Foods, and you know damn well it's not. Do not sit there and paint it as if he is his ass is chopping at Whole Foods. Listen, it's a grocery store in L.A. I just assume that they only have Whole Foods out there. It's only Whole Foods and, like, fresh markets and, like, these really upscale, like, shopping centers. Like, no. So as he's walking through the aisles, he says, oh, look. 
It's his neighbor. And he does what any of us would do in this situation if you encounter your neighbor out at a store. And you go in, in the other aisle and look at laundry detergent. So after getting the world's smallest amount of groceries, Ryan stands outside his car and pauses. Then he puts them on top. And he starts walking somewhere. And then the camera pans over to, oh, look, it's the neighbor lady. Her name is Irene. Her car isn't working. How convenient. So we only assume that Ryan went over there to just help her out. So, yeah. But the thing is, we don't see the rest of this interaction because it's just not, it's not important. There are some small scenes in the elevator with Ryan staring at the kid that's with Irene. Then they're back at at, um, Irene's apartment. and. These two, they, Irene and the driver, they say very little to each other, which was kind of the point. Gosling came out and said that he wanted as few lines as possible, and he wanted the scenes between Irene and the driver focusing more on the atmosphere and the mood that they were creating. Mission accomplished. My God. That's actually one thing that I'm really glad that you brought up is how few lines. Um. Gosling has I remember hearing the number like a long time ago but I've since forgotten it but he has a crazy small amount of lines in this movie and it just it just shows to how much effort and care they put into making sure this movie was as atmospheric as possible Mm -hmm. and that it was things were being you things were being picked up not told Mm -hmm. that you were you were watching it and you were understanding how they were acting without them narrating to you how they're acting. Mm-hmm. They're just looking at each other, exchanging eye contact, and they're just you're just understanding by their body language and how they move around, how they're acting. It's so nice and so fantastic. You can kind of get the vibe from like both of them that maybe that they're both a little awkward. And I, I mean Gosling, he does a great job of being awkward, but at the same time, it makes us feel awkward. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's yeah. doing his job. And I want to point out just a few little a few little things with this scene. There's a cool shot of Irene. Uh, it's like a medium shot of her with a mirror like on the other third of the screen where you can see Gosling's reflection. But in that reflection, you see a picture of uh, Benicio, the kid, with his father, Standard. And I just thought, mm. yeah. That that that's a good. I love I love that shot. Exactly, exactly. It's focused. the The shot is great. It's beautiful. It's focused on Irene. She's talking, and you see off to the side. You see the mirror, and it's just the little picture. And it's something that you, as the viewer, you see Irene, and she's talking, and obviously you're listening to her. But as you look around the scene, you see the picture, and you're just like, "Huh, that's interesting." There are more people there. And then the movie picks up where your eyes moved to mm-hmm. and then continues on, which is great. That is a great way you do with that. That's a great way you move the plot forward. So with the rest of the scene, they pass dialogue back and forth. Driver says, I drive. Insert joke about it being the end of the movie here. So he says like, oh, yeah, I drive. Explains like stunt driving, stuff like that. So he also drops the fact that, oh, I work in a garage. Interesting. So, okay. In that scene. Cut to Nino's Pizzeria. We see Albert Brooks. He's in this movie, but his eyebrows are not because he shaved them off for this one. 
that's it's it's dedication i love i love it hell yeah albert hell yeah cool awesome don't they they grow back right like eyebrows (laughs) yeah i don't know i I haven't shaved my eyebrows off i don't know you you want to find out (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) so anyway um he's eating chinese food in a pizzeria and that honestly like sums up his character and he's talking to brian cranston so Cranston's here like, hey, I want a stock car and a lot of money. I got this guy. Like, I got a great driver. Like, he's going to, you know, he's going to do us good. So then a random guy comes in. We can't really see him quite yet. And a line I want to point out here is um, the guy that walks in says, fuck you eating, says a racial slur, food in my restaurant. And then Albert Brooks says, What's a Jew doing running a pizzeria? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but that line, like, it made me, it made me chuckle a little it's, bit. It's, it's just, it, it does a good job of painting these two characters. Just sitting there, just who these people are without even, like, an intro into who these guys are specifically. Mm-hmm. You roll in, you hear them talk, and you already know what they're about, and know you have a general idea of which where they stand. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, and this character is Ron Perlman. I didn't, I forgot that he was in this movie until he showed up on screen. I, I went, I went. Hey, Ron Perlman, shouldn't you be an ice pirate? Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He really grew into himself as the years went along, going from being the sidekick in a schlocky sci-fi movie to being in fucking drive. Yeah, exactly. He 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 did a left turn in his career, and I appreciate that he did because if he kept doing stuff like like uh like ice pirates, I would have. Oh my god, I would have. I would have. I would have. It would have felt like such wasted potential. I'm like, oh man, we could have come so far. You could have been in Sons of Anarchy, man. You could have been something. <laughs> so anyway, so Ron Perl- Ron Perlman, he actually did come out talk about his character of uh, Nino that it was kind of his dream role because he said a Jewish man that wants to be an Italian gangster, and he said it was literally him growing up in New York, which wow. I mean, I, I think he did. A, I think he did a good job I, here. He- he did an amazing job. He he did a great job of it. He he really sold. He really sold that whole idea. So we get another little jab, maybe that Ron Perlman did something to Brian Cranston to make him walk with that limp. So next scene, the driver is driving. He meets Bernie Rose. That's Albert Brooks' character. We get that trailer line where the driver says, "My hands are a little dirty." Bernie. So are mine. That that love it. That that's the movie. There you go. <laughs> that is drive. Thanks for coming, everybody. So, next scene. Cut to Ryan working at this garage, and he sees. Oh, look, it's Irene. She dropped her car off. Small world is L.A. So Ryan does that, like you know, shy, coy smile, and he starts you know working on a car. He has a staring contest with uh, Benicio. Cranston is spilling exposition to 
Irene, still calling him kid, never calling him by his name because fuck him. He doesn't have a first name. He's not worth it. Actually, no, you are worth it, Ryan. You are worth it, Ryan. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep so, it going. So Ryan gets voluntold to take Irene and Benicio home. So Ryan um, takes Irene and Benicio out driving. And they're like, hey, you want to see something? So Ryan takes them to where... I can only assume is where they shot that one scene in Terminator 2 because Jesus uh, Christ, that's what it looks like. It's, it's the L.A. River. As someone, <laughs> I, I, I know that I know that little puddle anywhere. <laughs> that is the L.A. River, dog. <laughs> it's yeah, it's I I'm not going to pretend like I get it, but yeah, that's the L.A. River. So they go out driving. They go skip rocks by a river. It's wholesome. We get the, you know, soundtrack to make us really feel that, you know, this this is this is the feel good part of the movie. So mm-hmm. they go back to Irene's apartment after a nice day outside. And they do that whisper mumble dialogue that we've called out for other movies. And you know what? I'm gonna have to do it here because they do that thing here. So Ryan takes his scorpion jacket <laughs> from Irene, asks her on a second driving date. Then she just doesn't answer. And then Ryan walks off. I'm like, how dare you? I'm like, what? So, so you asked her on the date. They didn't say anything. Ryan walks off and next scene, they're driving together. I'm like, that fucking worked. I need to take, (laughs) I love that. I love that. (laughs) I need to take dating advice from Ryan in this movie. It's so, it's so great. He literally goes, I'm free on Saturday. You want to drive around? And she doesn't respond. He gets up and leaves. And I'm like, how? What? <laughs> it's like, what? Huh? Like, it's, again, I, I, what's really weird is I should be, like, calling this movie out for, like, just mm-hmm. that that working. But it's so cool <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah. Of like, hell yeah! Like it's, it should. I should be yelling at it and being like, "That's stupid." But like, I don't know. I I was so invested in the characters at this point that when something like that came up, I was just, I literally just went, "Nice." You're like, yep, that fits. Hell yeah! I'm like, that fits. That fits. So right, so we get different scenes of Ryan becoming like a father figure to. Benicio and then you know going out driving with Irene they're holding hands and it's just all so nice so Ryan's Mm -hmm. back to working at the garage we have Brian Cranston uh, Bernie and Nino that's Ron Perlman's character they're all standing around a nice car like the fucking boomers they are so Nino calls one a hot motherfucking pussy mobile it's like a boomer dad with Gen X energy which hell yeah sure why not it's 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 a whole mess (laughs) so they so they talk about you know the cars they talk about the driver bernie goes over and starts talking to ryan about how and bernie gives a backstory about how hey i used to produce movies and brian used to be my car my uh my car guy until he got involved with some some of the wrong people and he got his pelvis broken by nino's people because he overcharged them which and Ryan's just standing there, just like nodding his head, just like 
cool. It's he's stone faced. Is just like he's talking about like how Nino like broke Brian Cranston's character's pelvis, and Ryan just the entire time was like, "Good to know. Thanks for telling me, man." He's just like, like that. That's like, not, that's gnarly, bro. You're like, God, he's so cool. <laughs> next, so next scene. Ryan is watching cartoons with Benicio. Subtle things with this scene. They're taught there. Uh, Ryan asks, like, hey, is, is that character the bad guy? Benicio was like, yeah. He's like, well, how can you tell? He's like, he's a shark. And Ryan's like, what? There are no good sharks. And then Benicio, he said, he responds, I can't remember exactly what he says, but then Ryan feels pensive about this. He's like, you could tell he's like thinking, am I a good shark? <laughs> or am it's, I it's, a bad shark? It's those it's those like like subtle things where it's like what is what is he thinking? And mm-hmm. one and someone that um another thing that happens in the scene is Irene brings someone over by the name of Cindy. And apparently Cindy is Irene was Irene's husband's lawyer, and her husband is coming home in a week. And Ryan's not happy about this. I mean, can't you tell? Just look at his face. He does not look happy. Not at all. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, in the next in the next scene, we get two two separate like things going on. Ryan works on a part alone in his apartment, and there's another party going on in Irene's apartment, celebrating Standard, her husband's release from prison. And I did not even like again. We had Ron Perlman. I forgot Oscar Isaac was in this movie. Completely yeah, forgot. It's, you sit there and like, what's really great about this movie? Is is just like just like what I said. It's like it's like everyone remembers Ryan Gosling in in his role, but there are so many people in the movie that played such an integral role to shaping the movie. Like Oscar Isaac's character is really vital. Like Carrie Mulligan does an amazing job, and so does everyone. Like even Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. Mm-hmm. she she's in this damn movie like and she'll be introduced later on but it's like everyone in this just really does a great job of playing integral roles like vital roles mm-hmm. yeah and oscar isaac at this party he just stands there and is like hey irene thanks for staying and i'm like no 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 she she hasn't she didn't stay standard she's been using quotations here driving like oh you'll you'll just have to wait and see what happens there so she's been taking tennis lessons (laughs) with her yoga instructor (laughs) (laughs) oh god so ryan leaves his apartment wearing his scorpion jacket which is so edgy and irene is sitting on cool (laughs) and i I, I want one so badly so and irene is sitting on the floor outside like a toddler and I'm just sitting there like, bro, just, just stand and smoke a cigarette like the rest of us stressed out like 20-somethings. <laughs> so they have some cutesy dialogue. Then Standard arrives and talks to Ryan. And Standard does that thing that like all of, all offended dads do when their son has another male role model in their life and they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, like, oh, yeah. How's it going? Yeah. 
Oh, so you just think you can take you you just think you can take my family away from yeah. me? Oh. It's it's the you can you can see again, this is great acting on Oscar Isaac's end. Really is. Like does a bang up job as standard. But you, what's really interesting is you sit there and look. You, you see the look in his eyes, and he's just just he does not like him. Does not. <laughs> does fucking not. And he just like 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 you said, he literally goes like he's literally like, yeah, is that good, man? Uh, good on you. Thanks, bro. But in his mind, you could obviously hear him be like, thanks, dog. Uh, I got it from here. So uh, you don't need to come around ever again. Period. Full stop. It's all good. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, you're just like, uh, hey, buddy. Like, you were in prison, man. Just, just trying to do the right thing. So, so that scene happens. Next scene. We get Ryan sitting in a diner eating I can't fucking tell what it is, cake or some shit. So <laughs> some guy comes up and he recognizes Ryan. He knows Ryan from a previous job, like a crime job, and starts telling Ryan about it when Ryan says abruptly, and this was the first time that Ryan like interrupted somebody or spoke over somebody or like spoke immediately after someone, mm-hmm. which yeah. – that tell that tells you so much kind of about like the unhinged nature that this character has underneath his quiet demeanor. Yeah, it's it's so I I love this scene because mm-hmm. this scene makes this scene I feel like in a really interesting way tra- like not transforms the character. It isn't that severe, but it really reconfigures the character for at least me, but I feel like I'm not alone on it because to a certain point, I feel like the, the viewer, the initial viewer looks at the movie and goes, wow. Okay. He's quiet. Shy and timid. I got this guy. He's got, he's got his, he's got his like sternness when he's talking with clients, but for the most part, shy, awkward, quiet guy wants to tuck, tuck himself away in a corner and then you just see him flip and snap that hard on someone and you go, whoa, okay, so there is, there's something beneath this. This isn't him being, wanting to tuck himself in a corner. He's doing this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, I, for, yeah, go ahead. Because he literally says to this guy, how about this? You shut your mouth or I'll kick your teeth down your throat and shut it for you. And you're like, oh, fuck man <laughs> yeah no it, it's 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 so fast in such a good 180 of expectations it's it's something very subtle but i but in my opinion it really does a magnificent job of reshaping how you look at how you look at the driver and it really in a great way sets you up for what happens next Mm-hmm. So after this diner scene, we're at a parking garage. So Ryan goes to park and then goes to walk somewhere and sees Benicio behind a corner. And holy shit, standard is all bloodied up. I mean, we saw some like thug types walking by when Ryan was parking. And I'm like, good. That's good, subtle storytelling. So Ryan's like, mm-hmm. I mean, through that like you know stoic face, you can still see like he's like, what the fuck happened here? So back yeah. at Irene's apartment. Ryan's trying to get like, hey, like, who the fuck were those guys? Standard is like, yo, fuck you. They were bad people. I'm not doing a job for them. Exposition about a pawn shop robbery that they want Standard to do for a lot of money. 
Standard doesn't know what to do about this job. They, he says like, oh, they might come after my family, which Ryan, which does not sit well with Ryan. Ryan goes to check on Benicio, and holy shit, one of the thugs gave him a gave a kid, a child, a bullet. That is some ice cold. Do not, do not fuck with these people. They will, they will have your fucking head. It's that yeah. type of shit. These, uh, it's. These guys mean business. They gave a bullet to a damn child. <clears throat> like it's it's so it's so cool seeing this scene. It's that you 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 finally have that payoff of that premonition of the defensiveness that you see Standard have initially when he meets the driver mm-hmm. pay off. And he's like, What do you want, man? You're just nothing but a stupid stunt driver. Back off. You're out of your damn element. And then you see. You see how badass, or how, yeah, just how badass, how bad, like, the bad guys are. Because mm-hmm. they're willing to give a bullet to the kid, essentially having the kid be the courier for his own, like, death message. Like, like that's, like, it's, it's intense. This scene is great for propping up the tension and adding to it. Yeah, Ryan's he's like, how about how about I hold on to this for you, buddy? He's like, okay, I'll take this. Thank you. And he's like, what the fuck was that? So Ryan goes back to the diner and oh, Irene works there. How can she afford to live in LA? That's neither here nor there. They have some awkward dialogue. They have the same conversation we had before, only this time the excuse that the um, that Standard gave her about getting beaten up was some drunk kids. This is a good example because initially, initially the diner scene starts off by, oh, the exposition of, oh, Standard just got beat up. like that. It's like, okay, we, we've seen that scene. We literally just saw that scene before. But what makes it different and makes it stand out is because she says, oh, Standard got beaten up by some, some drunk kids. She's like, oh, okay, what's the subtext going on here? And then we hold on mm-hmm. Ryan and he's – reacting we can see it in his eyes see it in his face yeah something something's brewing there and that's an example of repetition done right in a movie where things don't feel too stretched out Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's it it is again it's good to see this repetition done in a way where it doesn't feel redundant Mm -hmm. where it feels like it feels like it's necessary for the plot to move forward. Like it has a real integral part to play in that. Yeah. The movie still feels very stripped down with, with something like that. It doesn't feel like fluff in any capacity. And I really Mm. think that's a really interesting and poignant sort of part that they snuck in. Yeah. So we get a little bit of like Ryan kind of maybe dropping hints to standard, like, Hey, you know, I'm, I use, you know, driving, given like the whole, hey, you're in this whole spiel. Suddenly, we don't really see it all that much. We get Ryan at, di- at a dinner with Standard and Irene. Tells a story of how they met. And Ryan, we cut to another scene. Ryan's walking on a street with one of those, uh, with a, what's it called? A Slim Jim, where you stick it in and you pop the car. Is that, is that, what, is that what it's called? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't break into cars, but I, yeah, we'll, we'll you, are from, you are from, you are from Atlanta. I thought, you know, I thought that you did, man. So are you fair enough. So Ryan walks by with like some carjacking <laughs> tools. Don't know what to call them. We're not criminals here. 
and he steals a car. Exactly. So we cut to this place where Ryan's standing by like a lake or some public area. Ryan's giving his rules to to a person in a track in a Puma tracksuit. This is Chris or Cook or Chris Cook. They mm-hmm. kind of go back and forth with his name. I think his nickname is Cook, and they all call him Cook. Sure, we'll we'll go we'll go with Cook. So I'm like, oh shit, Standard is there. Ryan said, like, hey, I'll help out with the job. And Puma's like, hey, this is what you're gonna get, you know, for doing this. And Chris writes on his hand and shows it to Ryan, and it says, "Fuck you," to the driver. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So Ryan says, like, hey, I don't want any money. His debt's paid after this. This is also a lesson. Never do a job for free, guys. You'll see why that's exactly. a bad. You'll see why that's bad in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, by the way, mm-hmm. and um, exactly. uh, Christina Hendricks is in this scene. She kind of pops up. Her name is Blanche in this movie. She's like there. We don't really know too much about her. She could be like I don't know, a thug or a sex worker. I just we don't know. I just I just wish they casted Blanche from the Golden Girls in this. I feel like that would have been a much more. Honestly, I would have been equally, if not more gripped, if if Blanche from the Golden Girls was involved in it. I think she had passed away by this point. But you know, you know, I stand by what I said. You know, I'm not a golden. I've never seen the Golden Girls, so I'm just going to take. Just going to take your word for it, dude. People have a weird obsession with the Golden Girls, where they're either like, like, dude, dude, like people you wouldn't even fucking expect. Like, you need to check out the Golden Girls. It's it's really weird because it's it's like the Golden Girls, Cheers, Seinfeld and Friends all feel like the same energy of like fan base where it's like everyone is like, hey. Check this out. This mm-hmm. is something. And you're like, hey, I think I'm good. I think I'm good if I'm being honest. But, you know, thanks for that prop up, I guess. It's just like just some six five just like buff dude bench pressing like 405 at the gym and I'll look over at you and be like hey man have you seen golden girls and he's just like well what the okay that was a he goes there's a left-hand turn if i've ever seen favorite, one because my favorite my favorite character is rose i really think she's relatable and pretty funny pretty down to earth <laughs> you're like this is this is weird this is weird you know what else is weird this bit getting back to drive so yeah fair Outside, so we're outside the pawn shop. That's that's the whole plan. They're going to rob this pawn shop that apparently has a shit ton of money. So Ryan and Standard are in the other. Ryan, Standard, and Blanche are in this car, and Ryan and Standard gets out and walks in. Or Standard and Blanche get out. They walk into this pawn shop. And Ryan waits, but suddenly another car arrives and it parks. What's this? So Blanche leaves and walks to Ryan's car in heels for some reason. Who the fuck robs in heels? But that's neither that here. That feels like such an inconvenience. Like you're like I I must I must steal money in a really normally fast fashion. However, gotta be wearing my stilettos for this. You're like really not 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 tennis shoes. But listen, Bear? listen, Bear, I guess. Listen, I get it. Like. Mike tells me all the time when he wears heels, like it just makes his ass look great. So absolutely. I, 
Sure. I, look, I feel like I feel like Megan the Stallion when I wear my heels. I know Max is Max is working up there. He's still on his three inches, but soon enough he'll be in hey, platforms. I, I, dude, I've been, he's, he and I are he's working with me. Listen, listen, I've gone I've gone up to six inches occasionally. Okay, yeah, exactly, occasionally. exactly. It's, you're you're warming up to him, and I respect that. Exactly. Getting, guys, my cake is on fire right now. So <laughs> glutes for days, especially after hanging out with Ryan Gosling for so long. So standard oh, walks God. out. I'm going to leave that for you guys to decide. So Standard walks out, and we get startled by a gunshot. Oh, shit. Standard was shot. He gets got. Ryan, like, gets out of his car for a moment. Like, oh, shit. No, I shouldn't be out here. Gets back in and then starts driving. Now he's in a car chase with this person that was following them. This is when we get, like, that action scene. So Mm -hmm. they're driving. Car, you know, car foo is going on. Ryan's driving backwards. It's so hot. So the other car crashes, and Ryan now has just a boatload of money in a duffel bag, and they end up back at a motel at some motel room. Mm-hmm. So exposition, exposition. They're gonna get 40 grand. Holy shit. Then we cut to Irene. Irene's getting interviewed by police. Ryan calls and Benicio answers. And we're getting like, you know. Bits and pieces from like the news, talking to Benicio, where the they the pawn the owner of the pawn shop says that Gabriel that uh standard acted alone. Blanche was literally just in there, but that's neither here nor there. So Ryan's thinking the same thing, like, hey, why would the pawn shop owner lie? He talks aloud, then he he locks the door, puts his gloves on. At this point, if I was Blanche, I'd be shitting my pants. And Ryan turns and slaps the shit out of her. He's not fucking around. And he's like choking her with gloves and he's pointing aggressively. <laughs> and what we get Intimidating is. Intimidating pointing. It, we, there's a lot of pointing on this podcast. Like with Ghost Rider, with this movie, and a bunch of other movies. It's all about pointing with one finger. You point with purpose. Aggressively. So the exposition was all to set up a setup just to get the money. So the. Um, Ryan's essentially like, hey, take me to your leader. Points aggressively. Blanche, freak, she cries, freaks out. She ends up going to the bathroom. Ryan says, sound to think on the bed. A phone vibrates. Then Ryan looks at the bathroom. And we zoom in on him. Oh, shit. That's when you know shit's about to go down when you zoom in on somebody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We see- Sna- Snap zooms. This was- snap zooms all around. This wasn't, even a, this wasn't even a snap zoom. It was like a slow, no, no, was- slow dolly in. And cut to a gunman standing outside the bathroom window. And holy shit, Blanche gets her brains blown out. It was so violent. So the gunman enters through the bathroom. Ryan Mm -hmm. fights him and stabs him with a curtain rod. Then shoots another gun. And she shoots another gunman that has entered through the front. And Ryan's face is just covered in blood after you just killed Mm -hmm. two people. Guys. I am so horny right now. You have no God idea. damn it. We, we made it so long without this. Oh, my God. It's He killed two people. God damn it. What is wrong with you? Mike, what did you think? What did you think of this scene? Did it make you horny? All right. Uh, no. God, no. I, I wasn't horny. Okay. So I love the tension. In this the tension in this scene 
is so, so thick. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, like, it is so prevalent. And then you, you once, when, you, when, when Ryan Gosling stops pointing, you almost get this, like, temporary, like, oh, okay. Like, sort of reprieve. Like, okay, it's not tense anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't out of nowhere kill Blanche. It gives you a tee off, which is great because you see Ryan just like as it zooms in and he's like, oh, no. And he quickly like gets out of the way or like tries to like go for the door. And then Blanche gets her head blown off, which is a great way you finally cut that tension. Mm -hmm. And then it's into this great scene where he's fighting off a guy with a curtain rod and he's shooting another guy. It's awesome. It really sets off the final part of the movie. Like mm-hmm. it really sort of sits there and like essentially acts as this motel scene almost acts as a sort of pinpoint for you, the viewer to say, okay, this is, this is where it all comes down. This is where everything comes tumbling down. And you're like, okay. Yeah, because it's kind of like the point where Ryan realizes, like like we mentioned earlier with him talking to Benicio about you know being the good guy or the bad guy. It's kind of this scene where he's standing there covered in blood, realizing, oh shit, I'm the bad guy. And there's a, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of ways that you can read a scene like this. His facial reaction. There's a lot of undertones, and a lot of people have done video essays on it. Which again, going back to what we were saying about this being such a good introductory movie. But after this scene. Ryan goes to hang out with Brian Cranston and gets shards of glass or metal removed from his arm. So Cranston wants to talk to Ryan, but Ryan's like, hey, shut up. Cranston's like, holy shit, the money. And also, why are you concerned with this married woman's husband? Ryan says, hey, fuck this. I'm going to go take care of this. So he walks down a staircase into some strip club type alley then. And he's got a hammer. Like, what the Mm -hmm. fuck is going to happen? He ends up finding Cook with relative ease, walks into this strip club thing, dressing room thing that's going on. Just ever so calmly walks in, grabs Cook's hand, and just breaks it with a fucking hammer. And holy shit, just strippers with their tits out are just surrounding him. Meanwhile, Ryan's like, nope, bang, bang, bang. It's it's so it's so intense just watching just him just sit there and grab Cook's hand and he just starts wailing on it with a hammer. And then after that, he just sits there and interrogates Cook in the most hardcore fashion. Mm -hmm. It's so it's so good. It's so this movie makes sure it's intense moments are really, really tense. Because it makes because it makes you earn them. This movie earns mm-hmm. their tense moments, and he threatens and like Ryan threatens to hammer the bullet that um, one of the thugs gave Benicio. He threatens to hammer it in his head. So, like Mike said, interrogation turns out the money belongs to Nino. Ryan makes Cook swallow and choke on the bullet, and holy shit, when did he turn into a badass? So Ryan calls Nino and says, "Hey, I have something of yours, a million dollars." Nino answers while Ryan is surrounded by tits, which 
hell yeah, I love that. Ryan's like, hey, I don't care about the money. Just take it and I'm out. I don't have any partners going on. Just take the money. Ryan hangs up. Nino's like, oh, check out this fucking guy. Literally not recognizing that it's Ryan's voice. So back to Irene. Ryan is at the door looking disheveled as hell. His hair's all over the place. His collar's popped weird. Sweating a little bit. She says, hey. He says, hey. Can we talk? Can we want to walk? So they go, they go walking. And Ryan wants to tell her everything about Standard and how those guys would hurt Irene and Benicio. He's like, hey, I got this money if you want it to. Uh, have this money if you want it. And then gets bitch slapped by Irene. I'd let Ryan slap me like that. So Ryan okay. continues to describe his fantasy of them running away and living happily ever after together. And then the elevator comes up because they hit the button. When they started talking, now they get in. There's some guy in there wearing a suit. And they enter, and he watches Ryan with a side eye. And Ryan sees that, oh, this guy also has a gun in his suit jacket pocket. And the soundtrack rises. It sounds very angelic. The lights dim dramatically. Ryan Gosling turns around. And then as the, the music continues to rise, the lights dim. It's a nice shadow. He kisses me passionately in the pale moonlight. All right, <laughs> all right. Get to the... <laughs> okay, the let me live out my fantasy. So, Irene, I'm sorry. Um, and after that little kiss and that tense stare, Ryan just turns and starts fighting this man in an elevator, slams his head against the wall, and continuously curb stomps this guy into a fucking puddle like it is it goes beyond like you know sense of him just stopping like oh jesus it gets to uncomfortable territory so the elevator opens Mm -hmm. irene backs out ryan like turns around and watches her as he's like flexing his neck veins and the elevator closes and we get a nice dramatic shot of the scorpion jacket mike what are your thoughts on this scene fantastic Fantastic. The whole thing. So well done. So it's so beautifully shot. It's like, honestly, like I, it's, it's just, I, I just the whole time I was just encapsulated. I wasn't sitting there thinking about like how this really plays, how this is just really, how this works in this. It's just so really great to see the driver has finally sort of, everything is falling apart for the driver and he's sort of almost trying to sort of, he's sort of almost taking on the brunt of everything in an attempt to keep Irene out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's just so interesting just to see it all sort of play out Mm -hmm. in this scene, in, in this scene really clearly, so to speak. Yeah. Everything's kind of been building up to this moment we've seen like little yeah. bits of the how unhinged the driver actually is and seeing mm-hmm. it just unleash it really punches you in the stomach it's it almost it almost feels like it becomes this sort of like realization for both the audience and the driver mm-hmm. that they that the driver and irene cannot be together mm-hmm the driver is sitting there stomping this guy's brains out. 
with just such intensity and unleashed just rage mm-hmm. that we've only seen in very sort of removed bits and pieces. Now everything is just unleashed. Like it isn't like coordinated like it was with the motel. It wasn't very sort of like bark barking at someone mm-hmm. like with uh like with the mo- like with the uh, diner scene. Mm-hmm. It's everything has all culminated to this moment and you as the viewer and the driver both realize at the same time that Irene and him cannot be together. Yeah, they li- they live in two different worlds and it it sucks cuz you know you look at them and you see how happy they are without even having to say anything and that just kind of it make it doesn't make you feel good but at the same time you're like this is this is what's right. It makes you feel all these complex emotions. Mm-hmm. So exactly. So Ryan uh, drives to go talk to Brian Cranston and uh driver gets pissed at Cranston because he told the gangsters about Irene. And we're like, hey, Ryan's like, yo, you got to get out of here like now. Brian's like, well, what are you going to do? And like, doesn't matter. So next scene, Bernie and Nino are talking. Exposition, the gangsters, apparently they stole from the East Coast mob. And Bernie has the appropriate responses like, why the fuck would you want to do that? That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, I would Bernie on this one. That has got to be, that has got to be the most stupidest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and Nino is his solution, is like, hey, we got to take care of this. He's like, we need to kill the driver. They're the only ones that could tie us to this robbery. And Bernie's like, okay, we need to take care of things. All right, cool. And by the way, Cook is there eating some shit in like a fucking neck brace or something. So neck brace and a sling is neck brace and a sling. And we're like, okay, we need to take care of everybody that's involved in this. All right, bet. And grabs like a fork and a knife and just stabs him in the eye and slits his throat. And all right, just fucking cool. And Bernie's like, now you, and Bernie looks at Nino with a dead body in his restaurant. I was like, okay, now you have to clean up after my mess. And I'm like, there, there are a million different ways to get that message across without having to kill a man. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's so funny. We were thinking the same thing. Like you're just like, damn. I mean, okay, Bernie, message. I mean, message received. Whole whole out and holy clear, shit, bro. Message, message received. But we probably could have like talked it out. Or there were a few other avenues we probably there are a few like plan A's, B's, and C's that we could have solved instead of jumping to plan D. So next scene. Ryan is walking through like a film set. A lot of people have pointed this scene like, hey, like, what's going on here? He's walking around with a blood-soaked jacket. And people are like, oh, yeah, you know, like, he's got a blood-soaked jacket. What's going on? Like, oh, yeah, he's he's at a film set. Of course there would be people with a blood-soaked jacket. And I'm like, yeah, it, it depends on what they're filming. Because if they, were filming, <laughs> if they were filming a sequel to, I don't fucking know, She's All That, I'd be concerned if there was, like, a person covered in blood. A man of bides just comes out of the trailer and he's like, he's like, oh hey, we do we're doing gore scene number three. All right, let me get let me get let me get the cheerleading outfit out. And you're like, okay. Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard are just like, what the fuck? This is this is a sequel to Scream. This isn't another Scooby-Doo movie. What the fuck's going on here? It's like we got Amanda Bynes, Matthew Lillard, Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> so 
he goes into a trailer to get one of those human masks that we mentioned before, the one that looked like wait, a mixture of Brian wait, wait, Cranston. Wait, wait. Oh, sorry, sideline, sideline. You said she's all that. I thought I thought you said she's the man. Uh, my B. I mean, my fucking B. I mean, you know what? Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. It may, maybe it is a sequel to She's the Man. We don't know that. It's a great movie, by the way. But I feel like a sequel would be overdone. But yeah. No. Anyway. Okay. So that clears up a lot. I was like, Freddie Prince Jr. is not. She's the man. And I was like, Wait a second. Okay. And I was, and I was right, looking right, at the right, movie. Right, I, I like had the I had the she's all that up, and I'm like, Amanda Bynes isn't in this movie. But sure. All right. Cool. <laughs> so, no, no. I was. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Clear it up. So so uh, Ryan grabs one of those human masks that we said kind of looked like a mixture between Walter White and Dwayne Johnson. So mm-hmm. then we go. To, so mm-hmm. then we go to Brian Cranston, and he's walking through his garage. He's getting ready to dip, and Bernie has like I don't know Batman powers and just appears in the middle of this garage. <laughs> so they go back and forth, and Bernie's like, "Hey, I need to set things right. Where's the driver?" Cranston's like. He's in Belize or Mexico or some shit. And Bernie's like, all right, you know what? Fair enough. Let's do one last handshake and then we'll be on our way. So shake hands. And then Bernie slices Brian's forearm like the efficient way, like from elbow to wrist. And Brian Cranston oh, just fucking yeah. bleeds out. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. This scene, it's so it's so depressing to see just you watch Brian Cranston's character just defend the driver. And then you just see Bernie just like be like, okay, fine. If we're not going to play, if we're not going to play by my rules. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it your way. And he just, just cuts him in such a hardcore way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just, this is a really great scene, but honestly, I was really bummed. I liked Shannon. Shannon was a fun character. Yeah, he, he did. He did all the talking that the driver didn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So we have another small scene with Bernie. He goes to a box and that has all of his nice murder weapons, and then he drinks whiskey in silence. There, there's a lot that we could also say about Bernie's character that film essays would do just a hell of a lot better. So yeah, Ryan returns mm-hmm. back to find Walter White just dead. Instead of being like, holy shit, what's going on? Like we all would be. Ryan's just like, all right, yeah, that happened. Oh, well, let me get the car. So he takes a car and a bag and sits outside of Nino's pizzeria. And look, looks like there's some party going on inside. Like, what's yeah. going on here? And we see a shot of the door and we zoom in. Like, what's that? What's that approaching the door? And it's Ryan Gosling wearing like a Walter White Dwayne Johnson mask. And looks through the window. That's some like fucking nightmare fuel shit. If I have ever seen it. Is, it. it is. It looks so frightening. Mm-hmm. Like just watching him just in his cold, uncaring, like mouth agape mask. Just stand outside and just just unmoving. Just watching everyone dance and have a good time. It feels like something out of a horror movie. It's so great. It's and you are the entire time you are just I don't if you're me, you are just clenched. Mm-hmm. You are like, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? He's 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 obviously unhinged at this point. What's happening? Yeah. And he just like, I don't know. It's like some uncanny valley type shit that's going on with mm-hmm. that mask. So mm-hmm. 
Nino's inside just laughing, and then he exits while like Ryan Gosling sits in the car and then follows Nino and his posse. So they're driving. They get to like some roads off away from the city, and then Ryan just kind of runs Nino's car off the road. And, you know, he stops. He's like, oh, what the fuck was that? Like, he had the most mild reaction to someone almost running them off the road. And they're like, and he was like, okay, fuck it. Let's let's get the fuck out of here. And driver's like, all right, cool. And they get fucking T-boned by Ryan Gosling <laughs> wearing this frightening mask. Like, okay, the fucking cool, I guess. It's it's so funny because you just because I, I I know it's who you're talking about where where it's Nino just kind of just frazzled and he's like, anyways, let's get going. <laughs> And then you just see him just look and then just he just gets T-boned hard. You're like, damn, okay. Damn, all right, Ryan. You're like, okay, cool. So Nino rolls out of the car and he's like crawling toward he's on the beach. They're on like a beach side. And Nino rolls out and starts crawling towards the ocean for some reason. So Ryan watches Nino still wearing that mask. And Ryan grabs him and they have a fisticuffs we can't really see because we cut to a wide shot and then we move on to the next scene i'm going to touch on Mm -hmm. this i'm going to touch on this at the end of the review so okay wide shot of the cityscapes we get ryan calling um bernie and telling the story of the scorpion and the frog what does this mean i don't know if people are if you guys are familiar with it it's kind of story like a scorpion needs to cross a river or a lake and the scorpion looks at the frog and says, hey, I can get on your back. And the frog is like, no, you're going to sting me. And the scorpion's like, hey, if I sting you, then I'm going to be dead too. And the, scor- and the frog's like, oh, okay, cool. The scorpion gets on the frog's back. They go across the river. And the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog is like, yo, what the fuck? And the scorpion's like, well, sorry. It's just in my nature. That's... <laughs> I love. I want your retelling of old folk tales, dude. Sign me up. Yo, dude. I'll do a, it. So there's like, so there's like this fucking turtle, and there's like, or no, sorry, sorry, tortoise, and there's like this like hare. It's like that's just a rabbit, and like there is like there's like the rabbit's like, yo, I can beat your ass in a race, and the turtle's like, bet, let's race. <laughs> it's like hell yeah, I I love this. I love it, dude. I'm gonna release. I'm gonna release a children's book. Talking like giving like rundowns of all of the old like Grimm's Brothers fairy tales. So guys, be on the lookout for that. Absolutely, it's it's like <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for that the same way I waited for Samuel Jackson to narrate "Go the fuck to sleep." That is that's some things in life are just too good to be true, and that's one of mm-hmm. them. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole point of like um. Ryan saying telling the story is like, hey, um, your friend Nino didn't make it across the river. So Bernie's like, okay, people are dying. Let's meet, let's meet at some restaurant. Let's talk this out. Then Ryan calls Irene. Why he doesn't call me, I'll never know. So he gives the whole like, hey, I'm leaving speech with some heartfelt twists thrown in there too. And then Ryan enters the restaurant to go eat with Bernie. And Bernie's like, hey, just give me the money. The girl is safe, but not you. You'll be looking over your shoulder for the rest of your fucking life. And Ryan's just kind of like, you know what? Oh, I can live with that. So they go outside in broad, in broad daylight. And this, is all, and this is all intercut with them sitting in the restaurant and then going outside to talk. I use talk in quotation. 
So Ryan and Bernie are mm-hmm. in broad daylight. Ryan says the money's in the car, but then Bernie stabs Ryan. But then Ryan stabs Bernie. Oh. So Ryan is just like, ha ha, I saw this one coming. <laughs> I saw your stabbing and raise you a stabbing. So yeah, he saw this shit coming. Um, but he stabs Bernie in the throat. So in broad daylight in LA, Bernie's just, you know, bleeding out on the side of the road. Ryan sits in his car, he's all bloodied up and he's quiet. It's just a nice silent moment. And then mm-hmm. a, and then the song we mentioned, Real Hero, comes up slowly. And Ryan starts driving away from an actual murder scene. We get a couple other little scenes. Irene walks to Ryan's door, but it's too late for that. He doesn't answer. Ryan continues to drive through the night. And is he driving to me? We don't know. Then the movie Does he live? Does he live? We don't know. And that's kind of all we really need to know about what happens to the driver. Mm-hmm. But yeah, guys, that's that's drive. Mike, what what are your what are your thoughts? It, it, this movie, I I really think that this movie is fantastic, and most people who go into this movie, so long as they're given the right context, will walk out of it thinking it's a great movie. Some will think it's fantastic. Others will think it's good, great. Just so long as you're given the correct context, I think you will adore this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is, it's got, it, it's great. It's got love. It's got loss. It's got action. It's got a little bit of gore here and there. It's, it's a really good film that doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't, sit you down and over explain things to you. It really just takes it as it is, tells you its story and then leaves, which is in one of my opinion, in my honest opinion, a fantastic, fantastic movie. One that will not overstay its welcome. One that gives you its story and totally leaves at the end. You, it can, you can, if you want it to come back for a sequel, that's up to it. But just it gives you the story stripped down and it leaves. And that's what this movie does. And it it's beautiful. I cannot recommend this movie enough. It's fantastic. Fantastic. It's really it's an easy way to get into understanding like the character study movie. Because mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling came out and said, for me, the driver is a guy who watched too many movies. I'm quoting him here. He was confused. For me, the driver was a guy that watched too many movies. He was confusing his life for all the films he had seen and all the heroes that he wanted to be, which again goes back to this theme, the quote unquote theme for this movie, a, re- a real hero. Yeah. What do, do you agree with that, Mike? Do you do you agree that I, you can I, see the driver being like that character? I agree with that to a certain degree. I I not not to a certain degree. I understand what where he, where where he's coming from, and I do think that that is one hundred percent accurate. 
he is in this movie, he's someone who has pretty much sort of not confused, but just sort of blurred the line between fact and fiction, Mm -hmm. between what his life is and what he's seen. Mm -hmm. Same thing with same thing. I mean, the same thing can be argued with Nino. Nino's character is someone who's Jewish, wanted to be a gangster, an Italian mobster. He got his wish, and it isn't all it's chalked up to be. The driver, subjected to movies, wants to be the hero. It isn't all it's chalked up to be. I think there's something really to be said there that's really good and truthful, I might add. Yeah, because the reason... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say. What I was going to say because you because you mentioned like you know being being the hero and what I mentioned like when they were fighting when Ryan was chasing down Nino at the beach. It's kind of like it's very dramatic. He's got you know the face the you know mask on. He's got his superhero outfit. This is what he's going to mm-hmm. do to go. You know, it's it's all very cinematic. Is this yeah. particular part of the movie? It's. It's it's really interesting that you mentioned the cinema the cinematicness mm-hmm. of him chasing down Nino when you compare it with the now granted this is still cinematic but I'm talking contextually within the movie the cinematicness of him hunting down Nino and pushing him off the pushing his car off and sort of wrestling with him in the ocean and then you juxtapose that with the motel shootout with the with him stomping someone's head in in the elevator it's this very real sort of change that there is the cinema there is this sort of cinematicness that you get but in order to get that 30 second cinematic sort of effort that you put in that you want there is about 30 minutes in this movie. I'm talking from a movie time length mm-hmm. thing. There is about 30 minutes of hardcore, not n- n- hardcore, like grittiness that you go through. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 there is, there is so much more to it than just that little portion that the driver, if we're going by Ryan Gosling's theory wants, but I think is really interesting. Yeah, guys, let us know what you your interpretations of Drive are. We would we would love to hear it. And uh, also yeah. um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, let us know what you thought of this movie. Let us know what you think of Ryan Gosling. Leave it in the comments on any of our <laughs> posts. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm probably not going to be on next week's episode. I'm probably on an FBI watch list right now. And y'all will it's... probably not be hearing from me for a little bit. So if I do not appear, uh, I... that is not on me. That is not I on me. I can't wait to. I can't wait to. I can't wait for the recasting. And I can't wait for the um, for the restraining order to get in. I, I, I'm very curious to see who gets recast. Is it going to be? Is it, wait, is it going to be Chris Pratt gets recasted as Max Steele in the Messed Up at Midnight podcast? You know, Chris Pratt just with a a beard and wearing Hawaiian shirt. Well, I mean, it's it's. I guess it's close enough to what he wore in um in Parks and Rec. So I mean, I don't know. Just yeah, exactly. Just, 
don't know, make him live in South Georgia for six years, and then boom, there you go. He's good. Exactly. <laughs> he then, yeah, then, he, then he's Max Steele. <laughs> the Max Steele biopic, as played by Chris Pratt. Who would you get to play? Who would you get to play yourself in a biopic, real quick, before we get out of here? I've gotten I've gotten a lot of Paul Rudd answers okay, in terms yeah. of who would into in terms of who would best fit. So I feel like I, I, you know what I'm I'm gonna go with Paul Rudd just because that seems to be the popular answer. Okay, I I can see that. But guys, let us know who you think we would play us in the biopic. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Listen to us wherever your your favorite podcasts are. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your dad. Tell your mom. Tell my dad. Tell your dad. Tell everybody. Tell everybody about the tell podcast. the dad you never had. Exactly. Just. No, I'm not going to go there. So, yeah, guys, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mess Up at Midnight podcast, and um, we'll see you next week. See you next week, everyone.